Time now for Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Now, here's your host, Agri-News Director, Jim Smalley. Saskatchewan Pulse Growers commissioned a study to examine the market potential for faba bean, a pulse crop suited for northern and eastern areas of the province. It was prepared by Joe Firetank, a senior economist with LMC International in London, England. He broke down the potential for faba bean markets, both domestic and exports. Firetag says export opportunities for faba bean are limited, with one single country, Egypt, accounting for 71% of all global imports. Saskatoon reporter Neil Billinger spoke to Firetag at Cropsphere in Saskatoon last month. Faba bean consumption is quite large worldwide, it's about 4 million tonnes, but the only import market that really exists is in Egypt. And you're getting lots of producers, lots of exporters scrambling to get into that market, the UK, France, Australia, and it's very competitive. As an agricultural economist, my advice or our advice at LMC would be not to concentrate on that market uh, as such. What challenges does Canada have trying to get into that export market, to, specifically Egypt? Mainly just strong competition from those exporters. They're much larger, more traditional producers of fava beans than Canada. But you're also, uh, apart from sort of logistical difficulties in getting beans all the way from Canada to Egypt, you're also dealing with quality issues. So you produce different varieties of fava beans. Some of them lend themselves to food use and some of them to feed uses. The Egyptians want the fava beans for food uses. Canada does not produce those types of fava beans. They're more, produce more in places like Australia or the UK. Now for the domestic market, it seems like the opportunities are better there. Let, let's break it down in, into the two main ones there. You've got sort of the, the food use type market. Uh, how does that look? The food use market, in my view, is, is actually quite promising, but the volumes aren't very large at the moment. So you are getting people investigating fava bean fractionation, as we call it. So you concentrate the protein in fava beans and then you use it for novel end uses. You can also make fava bean flour and use that for making, say, confectionery or baking products. And that's something people are looking into quite strongly. There's a real obsession with non-GM, non-allergenic, plant-based ingredients in food processing. So we do see some excitement in that. But the main end use we see here in Canada is for, for feed. Would it be all types of livestock? Mainly hog and poultry, and of those two, mainly hogs. So you're looking at about half a million tons for sort of maximum amount that could go in, into hog and poultry feed industries in Saskatchewan and Alberta alone. And then you've also got the beef cattle. That would release enormous volumes if barber beans can price themselves into that market. Would faba beans be a, a replacement for peas in the, in the ration? Is that the, the potential replacement? Exactly. So you'd look at fava beans as a source of protein. So obviously you wouldn't just feed cattle or pigs or poultry fava beans. You'd mix fava beans, ground fava beans with other ingredients to reach a certain protein content or a certain amino acid profile that lends itself to uh, livestock growth. So what kind of percentages would we be talking about for hog and poultry feed and, and potentially cattle feed uh, uh, fava beans as part of the, the ration? It varies quite a lot, but I mean, you're talking about like 30 or 40 percent. I mean, the soybean meal comes in at about 44 or 45 percent. Far beans are considerably lower than that, but they're still a greater source of protein than peas are, uh, for instance, and yet they are priced less than peas. So if you're looking for protein in your ration, 
then you would sensibly look at farmer beans instead of peas or soybean because on a protein basis they're cheaper than those ingredients. Did your study uh, look into the potential for growth of uh, faba bean markets uh, domestically in Canada both for food and for feed? Yeah, so I mean, we only looked at the prairies to be honest, because I mean, one of the advantages of using fava beans as feed ingredients is that it's a local ingredient. So you're avoiding the cost of transport, say, from across the border in the United States or from, or from Manitoba even. So we didn't look at the whole of Canada, but there's definitely more potential in the rest of Canada as well. And what challenges are there to get that market to where it could possibly be? Yeah, so we're definitely seeing growth. I mean, our estimates. We're quite conservative, you know, we're, we're being quite careful here. But it's a typical sort of chicken and the egg type problem. If livestock producers are not using fava beans to feed their livestock, they're not aware of it because it's a novel ingredient, then the production's not going to increase. But you need production to increase, you need the volumes to exist for feedstock producers to use them because the feedstock producers need a lot, a lot of feed. Uh, the feed market's very, very big and it's growing around the world. Joe Firetag is a senior economist with LMC International in London, England. Back in a moment. Include greed, envy, and pride can also be applied to grain marketing. Brian Voth, president of Intelli Farm Incorporated, made a presentation at Farm Tech in Edmonton last week. We'll cover a few highlights, but you can hear the full interview on realagriculture.com. Voth starts out by talking about the most obvious, greed. And you hear it a lot of times when farms will have a target set and say it's $12 canola and we start getting to 1180 1190 and farmers call and they're like well maybe I should change my target to 1225 or 1250 and it's mind-boggling because you know the whole reason the target was there was because it met these criteria and a lot of times when you hear about farms changing their targets and then the targets never get hit because the market gets to a certain level whether it's technical fundamental psychological and then backs off and now they're left here with this target that they raised and don't have their grain sold. Another deadly sin of grain marketing is wrath, more commonly referred to as anger. I use an example from back in my early days of consulting where I made a recommendation, it was on oats. For argument's sake, let's say we recommended selling oats at $3. And the price within a couple months rolls up to $3.15, $3.20 a bushel. And I got a call from this one guy and he was just blowing a gasket. He was so mad because we cost him that 20 cents a bushel. You know, I listened for a little while, and when he started insulting me is when I got my back up against the wall, and I'm a fairly blunt person. I said, so let me get this straight. I said, you sold oats at three bucks, it was the first sale, and you're telling me that you wish prices would have gone down so that you feel better about the $3 oats you just sold. And he's like, well, no, no, that's not, that's not what I'm saying. I said, sure it is. I said, you're mad that prices went up. You've got 80% of your crop left to sell, which is now at a higher value. And you're mad about the first 20% you sold. This mindset is totally backwards. Needless to say, after I ended up yelling at him and firing him as a client, we didn't have to work together anymore after that. But that's the mentality that we try and get guys out of thinking, is that we hope that prices go up every time we sell, because we know we're averaging our price up. And the last deadly sin Voth talks about is envy. You know, there's always the farmer table at the coffee shop, and I always pose the question when I do this presentation, if there's 10 farmers sitting around this table without knowing anything else about it, I said, who sold their grain for the best price? And some people get this right away. Uh, some people have to think about it, but I always say it's the last person that talks because the first guy sets the bar, and now everybody knows either if they didn't sell higher, they won't say anything, but if they did, that, you know, it's just a progressive 
number until the last guy that talks well he had the best price because he'll wait till everybody else goes and it's just kind of funny but the other part of it again is price by itself doesn't mean anything and one farm scenario is so different than another's you know one farm could sell $12 canola and make more money than another farm selling $15 canola because their situations are that much different whether it be debt or whether it be yields or whatever it is management styles so I always say, you know, if you're listening to that kind of stuff, don't make that your benchmark for how your farm is doing. Look at your farm and your farm alone. That's really what you need to focus on. Brian Voth, president of IntelliFarm, Inc., talking about a few of the seven deadly sins of grain marketing. To hear more from Brian Voth and his conversation with reporter Kelvin Hepner, go to realagriculture.com. Back in a moment. Um. Grain prices were mixed in early trading today. Canola is up $1.60 to 480.72. Number one red spring wheat was also up $1.48 to 234.85. Oats are down $1.28 to $174.92. The rest were unchanged. Durham 281.36. Feed barley 134.14. Flax 484.55. Yellow peas $312. And feed wheat 147.48. Back in a moment. The Market Update on The Source, 620 CKRM. The Livestock Report on The Source, 620 CKRM. Now the latest livestock quotes. This is the market report for the Weyburn Livestock Exchange for the week of February 7th. D1 on D2 cows sold from $0.87 cents to $0.97. Cents. D3 cows sold from $0.70 cents to $0.85. Cents. And good butcher bulls sold from $1 to $1.20. We had a feeder sale here in Weyburn on Monday, and we sold over 2,800 head. 400 to 450 pound steers averaged $2.26 and sold up to $2.34. 450 to 500 pound steers averaged $2.07 and sold up to $2.34. 500 to 550-pound steers averaged $2.06 and sold up to $2.14. 550 to 600-pound steers averaged $1.98 and sold up to $2.08. 600 to 650-pound steers averaged $1.88 and sold up to $2.04. 650 to 700-pound steers averaged $1.79 and sold up to $1.98. 700 to 800 pound steers averaged $1.67 and sold up to $1.78. 800 to 900 pound steers averaged $1.60 and sold up to $1.63. And good steers over 900 pounds averaged $1.47 and sold up to $1.61. Heifers are about 25 to 30 cents back from the steers. Some of the highlights from the sale were a group of 550-pound tan steers at $2.08 a pound, a group of 600-pound tan steers at $2 a pound, a group of 650-pound tan steers at $1.98 a pound, a group of 700-pound tan steers at $1.78 a pound, a load of 800-pound exotic steers at $1.63 a pound, and a load of 900-pound exotic steers at $1.61 a pound. This has been Stephanie Digg reporting from the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Now here's the latest Saskatchewan pork prices. This is the Hams Market Commentary for Tuesday, February 7th. Hams sold 7,000 hogs Monday, selling in a range of 162 to 163 per CKG. Today's sales are expected to be around 6,000 heads, selling in a range of 165 to 167 per CKG. Number one sows delivered to Winnipeg this week will sell in the range of 48 